98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Three o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Before we tell you the latest about what Monty had to say about DeAndre Eaton today as the Suns prepare for preseason game number two coming up tomorrow night. Uh, Eric had the update. Let's talk about it for a minute or two. Uh, as Robert Sarver, this is a story from Baxter Holmes at ESPN.com. As Robert Sarver prepares to sell the Suns and Mercury, investment bank officials who have managed the sales of professional sports franchises told ESPN they expect the transaction's final price to set a record. Quote, it will be the highest price ever paid for an NBA team. Close quote. Wow. One investment bank official wow. said. The record. So what's the what's the record? Two point three five billion when Joe Sy bought the Nets in okay. twenty nineteen. Uh, Tillman for for Tita bought the or for Tita bought the Rockets for two point two billion. Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers for two billion. So somewhere north of two point three five billion. I, I mean, I I think I read a story. Might have been on Brightside. Where like the valuation by Forbes set it at one point eight billion, and some people are saying double that, double it. Wow, which would be three point six billion. Yeah, you know. And then we had that soundbite from Shaq on Friday, I think, of last week, in which he said, "Yeah, I was thinking about buying the Suns," and then I saw Jeff Bezos' <laughs> name. I'm like, "Ah, never mind. I think I'm out. I think I'm good. I think I'm out." I don't think I need There's actually a follow up report with that. Where Shaq said he would join a bid with Bezos. Oh, he would join oh, a bid. I'm sure he would. Yeah, and I'm sure Bezos was like, I don't really need you. I'm, I'm good, but I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, Thank but you. I don't really need you. In the I, bid. It's, an, it's an optics thing. Not a lot of people like Bezos, but a lot of people like Shaq. The, also from the report, in recent days, Suns Executive VP and CFO, Chief Financial Officer Jim Pittman, relayed to team employees that a fully executed sale of the team could take six to nine months, according to team sources. That timeline would stretch through the entirety or close to the entirety of the 2022-23 season. Yeah. What I was, what I was reading earlier, it was, uh, Molis, uh, bankers. Yes. Uh, have been tapped to lead the sale of the Suns. Molis bankers, um, says why it matters. The hiring of the respected M&A boutique means that the auction for the franchise is a step or two from the paint in a deal that could fetch between two billion and four billion, a price at the high end of that range would set a record for sports team sales. Uh, the sale will be run by Molis co-founder and co-president David. Na- uh, I'm not even going to pronounce his last name. Yeah, it's fine. The company recently advised Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital on their two point two billion dollar acquisition of Chelsea. Molis also recently assisted Diamond Sports Group, the country's largest family of regional sport networks, with, with a capital raise. So, um, so at, it's all been set. Like everything's been put in place for the sale of this team. It has been, and yeah. we'll see what they fetch. And, and it sounds like it's going to be for a lot, a lot of money. Suns are back on the practice floor today. Good, they need it after yeah. losing to Australia. <laughs> to losing to Adelaide, the 36ers Let's, the other night. God, I next think they pre- just hit another three. Next preseason game is tomorrow, and yet somehow conversation turned back to DeAndre Ayton, who, and we mentioned this yesterday, bring it up again, it would appear his post-game demeanor on Sunday night was more in line with kind of what we've come to expect from DeAndre. We've seen pictures of him smiling and laughing during training camp. Maybe this isn't that big of a deal, but the question was asked again today of Monty Williams, have you had a chance to talk to DeAndre Ayton yet? 
Here's what Monty said. I coach DeAndre every day in practice, and I've already said this. I'm not going to keep talking about every time I sit down and talk with somebody. I'm not going to address it or, or you know, make a, a statement about it. I coach him hard every day in practice. You see he's here getting his work in. Like That's what we expect of our guys. And talking about whether or not I talk to a guy, I think it's kind of senseless. It's senseless. Oh, he, he's, he's upset about it. I got one more. He's upset about it. Do you and Aiton still need to air anything out? We don't need to air anything out. That's, that's my point. I'm not going to keep addressing that. It's like he's the player, I'm the coach, just like with Book and Chris and Kale. DA gets his work in every day. He's at 22 and 12 in 20 minutes. Like, those are the kinds of things that we expect from him. I don't need to sit down and talk to him. Man. <laughs> oh, feisty there. So that, that, wow. Everything just, about that is, stop asking me about this. I'm not going to answer this question anymore. Everything about that is just, I, I mean, you just, you just listen. We, we, we cleared the air. You know, I mean, it's, it's very, very simple to, um, to move on. He, you're not allowing it to move on by saying what you're saying. If you, if you haven't had a conversation with Aiden because you guys aren't talking to each other, then it is what it is. Um, but if they did clear the air, it would have been very easy to just say, listen, we had a long conversation a couple days ago. Uh, you know, I, I got right with him. He got right with me. We're ready for the season. That's it. That's it, guys. There's nothing more. We did. We talked it out. We're ready to go. Like, but he didn't say that, which makes a lot of people believe that there is still, there's still some animosity there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly I, I, I would have thought that. He would have had, you know, pulled him aside and said, hey, I saw what you said with reporters the other day. Do you want to talk? Do we need to talk? Do we have anything we need to talk about? No, we're good. Okay, let's move on. But Monty still continues to insist that there is nothing to talk about. There is nothing that needs to very be defensive. talked about. Very defensive. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Very I mean, defensive. Very, it just kind of like, nope, I'm, that line that struck me the most, he's the player, I'm the coach. And then he quickly kind of added that he has the same relationship with Book and the same relationship with Paul but, but yeah, he and I'm sure Monty is setting a tone now for the reporters who cover that team every single day. You're not going to ask me about this every day. I'm shutting this down right now, right? Like we've been in a lot of those scrums, you and I, and we've had a lot of those conversations where at some point you just know I'm not going to get away with another. I'm not going to be able to get away with another question about this topic, right? Like he, the, the subject of the interview has pretty much made clear he is done talking about this and he's not going to say anything else. Just go to DA. You just, so you just, yeah, you go to him and see what he has to say about it. But eventually you move on. But yeah, he's still kind of dug in on this one. Uh, Monty, today, anything with Crowder? Is there anything new with Crowder? Is it still just in limbo? Or? I don't have anything to report about that. Do you have anything to report about that? No, I mean, the last I heard that there was, uh, like I mentioned, the Osman with Cleveland, uh, that they have interest and. Um, I have not heard anything new on teams. I remember I ruled out Dallas and Boston were teams that I could say didn't have interest. I'm still kind of focusing on Cleveland, but yep. um, very, very surprised that, that it is October 4th and we do not have a deal for Jay Crowder because the season's going to be here before you know it, and he was an important piece, and whoever they replace him with better be an important piece. Yeah, there, there still continue to be reports that Cleveland would be interested in him. Uh, Osman, Shetty Osman, as you mentioned, um, 
a name. The Cavs also own a bunch of their second round picks that they could use yes. in a deal if they wanted to. You, you have to get the salary cap situation because so you'd have to add one more player. You'd have to add another player, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I would think the Suns would want somebody that would be somewhat useful in that regard because Crowder is a better player than Osman. Osman yeah. does some things that Jay does, but he doesn't does doesn't do them as well or as reliably as Jay does. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I, I really like by the end of this week. Not that that's any kind of a hard deadline for anybody other than my own psyche. But by the end of this week, if you don't have something done by then, you're not giving yourself a whole lot of time to acclimate the new guy to what you're going to do before. But the I start also of the season. don't think, and I thought about this last night. Is there any chance you could just make amends? Is there any chance that the two can just come back like Kevin Durant and the Nets? Right? That looked like it was OVA over, and all of a sudden they were able to make it work out. Is there any way that the Suns behind the scenes could be trying to say, "Look, is there a way to salvage this?" I don't think so. When you tell a guy to stay home, and and, and I just don't think that he's going to be able to walk back into that locker room with the guys that they have and just be like everything's normal. I think it's best for both parties to move on. That's why. But for a second, I thought, I wonder if this delay is because they just realize they can't get a player as good as him and they'd just rather have him. Yeah, I don't want to give anybody false hope on that, but man, I would love for that to be the case. I really, really it, yeah. would. I don't want to give anybody, not that we're, you're not hearing that, I'm not here. no one's hearing that. It's just pure speculation and kind of fantasy on our end. God, that'd be great if everybody just said, you know what, on second thought, we're good. Just finish out the season with the Suns. Because it would answer a lot of problems. Probably probably would take like a a contract extension or something, add another year on. Again, that's I'm just just again, this is speculation. Yeah. I still think in the end he gets traded. The first time the Cardinals faced Jalen Hurts, it was just the beginning of his career. Fast forward to now. What's changed with him? Um everything. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. As we do on a lot of Tuesdays, we start looking ahead to the Cardinals' opposition coming up for the next week. And you started doing your deep dive on Philly, and I started doing my deep dive on Philly this morning. And man, I want to get the hell out of this pool as fast as Man, this pool is it's cold, and the water is uh, it seems kind of dirty. Get me out of here, man. Yeah. I don't want to swim around in this pool for too long. It looked like my pool this morning after the storm last night. <laughs> right, like gunk. Oh, everywhere. my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, listen. I feel for all of you pool guys out there today, every <laughs> single one of you that had to go to work today and clean those messes throughout the entire valley. I'm with you today. I was thinking about all of you pool guys and girls that had to get up this morning and go clean all those filthy pools. Amen to that. Yeah. And I know this is totally champagne problems here, totally first world problems here. But why is it the big dust storms always happen on Tuesday and my pool guy always comes on Monday? Oh, why is that? Man. I had a perfectly pretty looking pool. My guy comes Thursday. Yesterday morning, I'm like, man, the pool looks really good, man. It looks absolutely awesome. Dust storm Monday. And it's like, come on, man. I actually went in my pool last night because oh. it was like, and I'm like skimming it on the top and then everything's on the bottom. I'm like, all right, dive in, try to push everything up to the top myself. <laughs> 
I'm literally swimming on the bottom of my pool last night. I got the skimmer. I'm skimming some stuff. I'm trying to, because I'm thinking a vacuum's not going to go over all of this stuff. And then pushing it up, and then I get out, and, you know. <laughs> That's insane. That's yes. absolutely insane. Yeah. All right, so uh, our pool stories aside. We feel uh, for you guys we out do, there, We do girls. feel for you, for you guys We're and gals thinking out there about you. pools, because today was not a fun day. Yeah, tip your pool guy this week. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know why we're at it, too? All you landscapers who had to take the chainsaws out and Whoa. cut down all those trees that God bless you, know, God bless you too, because you had a lot of work today. Let's talk about this Eagles team, because we did our deep dive, and, I, you, and the Cardinals are going to lose. And the Cardinals are in a world of hurt. <laughs> this is such a good... Now, if they win, or if they win, uh, they'll shock the world that if they is win. one of those, whoa, hey, yeah. you see what the Cardinals did, but they're you know borderline touchdown underdog at home against the Eagles. Are they a touchdown underdog? It's like five and a half. I looked yesterday. Ooh. It's like five and a half. I don't know where it's at today. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's close. Wow. You got to talk about Jalen Hurts, who looks, he looks like a brand new guy playing. Yeah. He's got one of the best offensive lines in football. He's got one of the best running games in football. They just go out and get A.J. Brown. They get A.J. Brown. It doesn't do anything to the development of Devontae Smith at all. And what you're seeing now is a quarterback who's completing his passes at a much higher rate than he was before, who's throwing it further down the field than he was before. He's transformed into this guy where you go, oh yeah, you can win games with that if that's who he's going to be, right? There's no doubt when you look at what he's done, um, he has turned himself into one of the best young quarterbacks in the league and there were a lot of questions about him when Doug Peterson drafted him he thought you know I just need a good backup for Carson Wentz because he's hurt a lot so late late in round two late in round two they get Jalen Hurts they really didn't know what they had in him but all of a sudden man he's just showing this toughness and this uncanny ability and then you throw in the deep threats with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and his decision making has been uncanny he's been great uh, and and he is he's they they think he's a rock star. They think that they have their best quarterback in Philly, and maybe you know maybe since McNabb. So um, yeah, they're very very high on him. And you just see the nine point one yards per average because they've got those guys in Brown and Smith to go in deep. But yeah, he he has been all that in a bag of chips for them. Fifth in the NFL in total yards thrown, uh, eighth in the league in completion percentage. He is. I'm looking at this on the fly. Ninth in the league in traditional passer rating in ESPN's fancy QBR. He's 10th in the league. Um, and, and look, let's call it like it is. They, they not to diminish him, they win a lot of games there because of their running attack. It's special. Like, and he's certainly a big part of that. Uh, they win a lot of games there because their offensive line is special because he's operating out of a clean pocket. They win a lot of games there because of their defense, which is just off to an unbelievable start. But look, we... And we'll talk to a Philly guy later in the week. Um, the knock on Jalen Hurts was kind of always this question of, is he just a running quarterback? Can he be a downfield passer? Can it be, and is he really the answer in Philadelphia, right? Like you mentioned, late second round, they got him. Late second round, is it back up to Wentz? There was always kind of this belief that, you know, well, maybe, maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the long-term answer. He keeps playing like this. Philly could become the latest in a long line of teams that with a quarterback on a rookie contract goes to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It happens 
a lot. You know, it was a, that was a big part of the a story I was reading was they talked about that. It was a, a story called The Lead, and it was about Jalen Hurts, and it was about just, you know, how they, they got him, and, you know, he's really good, and he's on a rookie deal, and he was a second-round pick, and he's got this plus arm, and he's tough as nails, and just everything he's got. But, yeah, it did mention the fact that they've got him on that rookie deal, and that's when you really, you know, we've listened, we've talked about this for years and years and years. That's when you've got to take advantage of it. Yep. I mean, you got to take advantage of it while you got these guys on these these great deals. Well, and, and look, and, and again, I'll keep drawing the parallels between the Eagles and the Cardinals of a year ago. In some ways, I mean, look what the Eagles did. They've got a quarterback on a rookie-level contract. So what do they do? They go give $30 million to Hassan Raddick. Hassan Raddick. They go make a trade. Done. Probably couldn't have done. Couldn't have done if you got a quarterback making A.J. Brown. You go get A.J. Brown, uh-huh. you give him an extension. You get James Bradbury when the New York Giants caught him, right? It's so similar to what the Cardinals did last year by going to get J.J. Watt, by going to get Rod. James Conner. Going to get James Conner, uh-huh. right? Like, you yep. go shopping because you've got a quarterback mm-hmm. on a discount deal, and it allows you to spend, spend, spend everywhere else. It's why, you know, at the minute if they give Jalen Hurts that big money contract extension, and I don't know if they will or not, it's still to be determined, but the minute they do, it changes how you construct your roster, right? It takes that kind of sure. secret ingredient out of the mix. Yeah, and the story on the lead, it says, look, it's too early to think the Eagles are certain that Hurts is their quarterback for the next 10 years. Why make that call now anyway when there's no real reason to? It's certainly trending that way that Hurts will be the franchise guy, but until he is, and until the Eagles have to lay out the money for Hurts, they could build a more complete team. Yeah, it's the similarities are it's it's funny it's crazy it it really is it's it's hard not to notice when you think about Jalen Hurts and what he can do now Cardinal fans if you haven't been paying a ton of attention to the Eagles you'll probably remember that game from a couple years ago when the Eagles came here that was that crazy game where Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray were like trading haymakers the whole game if I remember right like the numbers were just crazy off he's grown so much since then and he's got so much talent, but and they got do you many how many Oklahoma players they have on that team? Yeah, was it like six? Jalen Hurts, Lane Johnson, Kennedy Brooks, Grant Kalkatera, Trey Sermon, Tyrese Robinson. They got like six players that were on Oklahoma. You know, you know, you got Hollywood Brown and Kyler here, but you got six players uh, that were on that uh, that were on Oklahoma that are on that Philly roster. Yeah, it's it's nuts to think and the about Zach that. Zach Ertz reunion, Zach playing against the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. So there's a you know, it's it's a it's it's a fun game. It's an interesting game. I almost think now. Um, that if the Cardinals won this game, they would lay notice to the rest of the NFL. This would be the lay notice to the rest of the NFL game because the the Eagles and you do the power rankings and all that. Man, they get a lot of love oh, yeah. for being really good. Yeah, offensive line is great, running game is great, defense is great, um, quarterback has been great, wide receivers have been great. Like there just doesn't seem to be a weakness. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You will never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com That's higherprice.com Four weeks into the NFL season and one thing is very clear about the NFC. We'll tell you what that is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station Burns and Gambo If you look at the AFC compared to the NFC, and I just did this, 
and take the teams that are either 3-1 and one or 4-0. and oh. There's actually twice as many in the NFC as there are the AFC. More mediocrity in the NFC? No, 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 no. There's, there's, take teams that are 3-1 and one or 4-0. and oh. Okay. There are twice as many of those teams in the NFC than there are in the AFC. And yet, the NFC feels like it's okay, mediocre. Okay. Why do you see what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, but it could be because the AFC is just so, so good. I mean, you know, there, there are teams that could beat Buffalo, teams that could beat Kansas City. Maybe. And that may be a good way of looking at it because the NFC, 4-0 or 3-1, the Eagles, one. The Cowboys, two. The Giants, three. The Vikings, four. The Packers, five. You got five of them. In the AFC, the only ones you've got are the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Right. That's it. And yet, the NFC, after watching what's basically a quarter of the season, man, I get The Philadelphia Eagles are good. They're 4-0. This conference feels wide open. Like yeah. most of these teams, are the Cowboys really that good? Are the Giants really that good? So are the Bills the- lost to the Dolphins? Yes. Okay. Um, the Chiefs lost. The, to the Chiefs Colts. lost to the Colts. Dolphins the lost Dolphins to the Bengals. Dolphins lost to the Bengals. Yep. Like the AFC is, you know, there's too many good teams. Bengals are a good team. They beat the Dolphins. Dolphins are a good team. They beat the Bills. Colts are decent. They beat Kansas City. Like you just go through it and, it, you know, the really good teams in the a- AFC are, are losing because the teams that they're playing, they're good teams in the AFC. Yeah, whereas it's just, it's more of a perception thing, I think, than if you look at some of the numbers. The NFC looks. Weak. I mean, the the Bucks haven't looked like anything special. No. The Packers haven't looked like anything special. The nope. Rams haven't looked like anything special. The Rams look extremely vulnerable, vulnerable after yep. last night. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they look like there's nothing special going on. They, there they look at like all. they might uh, struggle to make the playoffs. They won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl last year. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Like, that's what they look. The Super like. Bowl hangover thing is very, very real. But I mean, usually you get the defending champ, and they at least make the playoffs as a wild card team or something. Yeah. Now you'll see. I don't know if they're going to or not. Now I was looking at Tampa Bay schedule. They got they play the Falcons, the Steelers, and the Panthers over the next three weeks. Okay, Atlanta may make a coach a, a quarterback change. Pittsburgh is making a quarterback change. Carolina by then may make a quarterback change. So the so the Bucks get a little bit of a break in who they're playing. So so I think that they'll be able to, you know, get it get it going a little bit. But you're right. There's a lot of teams that are bunched up, and you try to figure out, okay, is this team good? Is that the are these teams any good? I mean, is Seattle any good? No, I don't think so. The bear the Bears are two and two, but I don't believe that the Bears are any good. So you start to go through it a lot. Then you look at the, you know, the one win teams. Detroit they look actually decent. New Orleans is decent. So um, it is really bunched up in the NFC. Like if you, if I said, hey, make your player predictions right now, it's very unlikely you would be able to predict it at this no, point. No, you wouldn't because it, again, it's kind of an eye test thing, right? Like the the Giants. Uh, I mean, God bless them. I know you're a fan of them. Uh, they're not that good. They're what? not. The, yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. You're okay. right. You no, you're scared right. me for a second. I mean, they're three and one because they beat the Bears and the Bears aren't very good and they would have been huh. three and one if they had beat the Giants. The right? Bears so, offense and that Justin Fields and that offense is terrible. It's bad. Like it's, it's setting yeah. football back It's 40 historically years. bad. Yeah. The Cowboys, I think they're better than I gave them. Yeah, credit you like their for. defense. Their defense is excellent, and they and now Dak's not coming back anytime soon. He still can't grip a football, according to Jerry Jones. They're still optimistic that he can come back soon, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be anytime real soon. I still assume at the end of the day the Packers are going to be there, and the Packers are going to be good. It's Aaron Rodgers, but he without Devontae Adams, the guys, he has the throw to. I mean, yeah. I know he always makes chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? But I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that again this year. It's funny. 
if you take the teams in the NFC and rather than look at their win-loss record, look at their point differential, how many points they score, how many points they've allowed, the Eagles are number one. Care to guess who the second best point differential team in the NFC is so far this year? Point differential in the NFC. In the NFC. Points scored, points allowed. Who's number two if the Eagles are number one? Seattle? The San Francisco 49ers uh, division. are number two. Okay, because they don't give up any points. Yeah. I should have just went with San Francisco. They're, they're, Seattle scored a lot of points last week, but they gave up they a, gave lot, up of a lot of points. Yeah, and, yeah. and the Lions, yeah, they're one and three. They give up a lot of points. The point is, I guess, in, in a broader context here, okay. is if the Cardinals can get their you-know-what together, there's a playoff spot to be had in this conference. I think. I, I, I just think, I look around and I, I think there's a lot of soft spots in this conference and an opportunity, especially if the Rams are going to be this bad, I think there's a chance for the Cardinals to be a playoff team if they can get their well, you-know-what together. 49ers next game, Panthers. Next game after that, Falcons. So 49ers going to get a couple easy ones, but then they get the Chiefs, then they got to go play the Rams, then the Chargers, then the Cardinals, then the Saints, then the Dolphins. The, listen to this gauntlet for San Francisco, okay? After their next two games. okay, Kansas City, the Rams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Saints, the Dolphins, and the Bucks. Oof. Wow. That's brutal. That's a brutal schedule. You know, like I, you know, like I love their defense. They're not winning all those games. Yeah. Whereas the Cardinals, and we, we've looked at their schedule so many times, but the Cardinals, th- this is this is the part of the schedule where if they're going to make some noise, if they're going to put themselves in a position, now is kind of the time. Once you get through the Eagles, okay? Yeah. You're at Seattle. You're home against the Saints. You're at Minnesota. You're home against Seattle, and then the next two of the the next two of the season, right there. Yeah, at the Rams and home against the Niners. Yeah, that will ultimately to me that those two games may ultimately determine if you're a playoff team or not. Yeah, and, and again, no one's sitting here saying the Cardinals have been good enough to even be lumped into this conversation. Um, but in in this wide open NFC, there's kind of this. Well, why not them? You know, why not this team? Why not that team? And I think there are some teams that you can sort of rule out. In fact, uh, your guy Adam Shine did something very similar to that in which he looked at a bunch of two-and-two teams and tried to figure out who the contenders and who the pretenders were among the two-and-two teams. Let's go over them. Contenders. Now, this is AFC 2, so Uh I'm throwing everybody in here. Cincinnati Bengals at two-and-two, he says, are still a contender. I would say they're a contender, too. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at two-and-two are still a contender. Schedule gets really easy for them. They're a contender. Jags at two-and-two are still a contender. Listen, I think they're a contender, but like I told you last week, I don't think that they win that division. I think Tennessee's too good. I think Tennessee's going to win the division. Ravens at 2 and 2 still a contender. Yeah, clearly. I mean, cuz you know, Pittsburgh's no good and uh the Browns I don't think are any good. I mean, they should they should probably win that division Baltimore. The next two might surprise you. Okay. The Browns at 2 and 2. He yeah, says I'm going to say I'm going to say they're not a contender. Going with the Deshaun Watson survive, and it's kind of the yeah, but DeAndre Hopkins how long? theory, right? I mean, till game eleven, right? Is I, I mean, listen, I mean, I I like Nick Chubb. I think he's really good. Namari Cooper's been good for them, but I'm not, I'm not counting on Jacoby Brissett to keep them in playoff contention. 
The Atlanta Falcons at two and two. They are not. They're not legit. Come on, they, their quarterback's I'm, terrible. They I'm need like, to make a change. Well, that, that he have, does he have them as a contender? He has them as a contender. He's got them as a contender. He says these are not playoff predictions. I'm just trying to surmise which teams will remain in the playoff race. He speaks very, very highly of Arthur Smith, their head coach. Uh, he says they basically should be three and one. They should have beaten the Saints in Week One because they had that big. I love you know, running back fourth quarter lead. Yeah, Cordell Patterson. I love that. He just back. hit the injured reserve, so he's going to miss a few games now. A hamstring injury. I can't remember exactly what he's hurt. And, with. The, and the rookie wide receiver. Yeah, he's he's Drake London yep. is good. Good. Yep. The USC kid. Good. The USC kid is legit, but they just don't have to. Again, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the quarterback, man. They don't have the quarterback to win them enough games. Pretenders. The Jets at two and two. The Seahawks at two and two. Seahawks, yes. Jets, yes. The Bears at two and two. Makes no mention of the Cardinals at all, one way or another. Doesn't call them contenders. Doesn't call them a pretender. Just has them not mentioned. Seattle is a pretender. Geno Smith, it's fun. It's 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 fun. it's fun looking at the numbers. It's there's not no fun way. for Cardinal it's, it's fans, just, but there's no way. There's just I'm no shocked. Way. I'm, I'm really shocked. Where do they have Patty Smythe? Patty Smythe. Patty Smythe uh, from the Pretenders. <laughs> Back on the chain, gang. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I know I'm supposed to stay in my lane. Yeah. It's Chrissy Hines. Oh, Chrissy Hines. I went Patty Smythe, didn't I? Yeah. Chrissy Hines. I'm like, Patty Smythe. Yeah, you got that right. I'm going with the wrong one. What, what are we talking about? trying to get clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the scandal. The girl for scandal. I mean, I, Goodbye I, to you. I know. I know. You're the, you're Goodbye the, to you. You're the music guy. Yes, I messed that one up. Chrissy Hines. Chrissy back Hines on the chain the gang. singer of the Pretenders. Or yeah. was, I think. Yep. When we come back. Great voice. Oh, fa- great voice. One of, one of, honestly, I'm going to sound like an old guy when I say this, one of the best one of the all-time rock and roll bands. Yep. Uh, the Pretenders were really, really, really good. Madison Bumgarner creates a bit of an issue for next season's Diamondbacks. How are both parties going to handle this issue? We'll tell you what the issue is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck. Brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72soul.com and buy Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger for a limited time only at Sonic. Two games left for the Arizona Diamondbacks starting with today's tilts against the Milwaukee Brewers. Game you'll be able to hear on ESPN 620 coming up at 440 this afternoon. This is Diamondbacks on Deck where we preview that game and of course we'll keep you completely updated on what's going on with that game over the course of the Burns and Gambo show but two baseball games left for the Arizona Diamondbacks in a season in which they have 73 wins on the year. See if they can win those last two and get to 75 when it's all said and done. Your pitching matchup for today's game is brought to you by Native Interiors. Your floors, your way. Text the word floors to 620-620 for more information. For Milwaukee, Eric Lauer gets the start. The lefty is 10-7 and with a 3.83 ERA. And making his final start of 2022, Zach Gallen. It's been a season. Yeah. 12 and 3, 2.46 ERA for Zach Gallen. He's got 186 strikeouts, so he'll end up coming a little bit shy of 200, which is a shame because, you know, if he gets eight or nine, he'll finish at 194, 195. But uh, what a year for Zach Gallen. Chance to really go out strong. I hope he gets some, and I expect that he'll get some votes for Cy Young Award, though, won't win it. But what an incredible year for Zach Gallen. The second half in particular. And I know 
I'm about to give you a lot of numbers here, but man, they are really good numbers. Second half of the season, he's made 13 starts. The opposition is hitting 150 off of him with an OPS against of 409. He's 8 and 1 with a 1.27 ERA, 97 strikeouts in 85 and a third innings pitch. Yeah, he's 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 seventh in ERA, he's second in WHIP, and he's 11th in strikeouts per nine innings in. Major League Baseball. So, uh, among all the qualified pitchers. So, he's having a terrific year. He's got 19 starts in a row of going five innings or more. So, you give him the baseball, there's a really good chance he's going to go deep into the game, give you a chance to win. Yep, looking forward to, um, I mean, this has been, we talked about this with Tori earlier in the show. This has been a much-needed year for Zach Gallen, a, a reset year, right? Like, coming into the year, we had questions about how good was he really? How good could he be? Brent Strom was joking during spring training, the Diamondbacks pitching coach, that he's had buddies of his in the industry say, man, if you can't coax a Cy Young-type season out of that kid, yeah. you should be fired. You're not doing your job very well because the kid's got everything you'd ever want. And it's nice to see sometimes that perfect marriage, right, of a pitcher and a pitching coach. Brent Strom was probably the best thing that's ever happened to Zach Gallon in his professional career because he's really made the best version of him. Well, I'll tell you, if you go back and you look you look at all the you know previews for the Diamondbacks in the beginning of the season, one of the things that said they got to fix was the was the was the the pitching. So Brent Strom coming in, you've got you've got two aces right now. You've got a good one two punch and in in uh, and maybe a third with Jamison, but with Gallon and Kelly, you got two really good guys at the top of the rotation. That's without Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, which good transition into Madison Bumgarner. Good story today from Nick Bacoro, who has covered the Diamondbacks for many many years for AZ Central, and the headline of the story kind of tells it all. Stuck together. Madison Bumgarner, Diamondbacks begin to navigate their clouded future together. And for the first time, Madison Bumgarner talked to the media after being essentially shut down for the rest of the year. And he acknowledged that he's in a little bit of a grind right now, that he's thrown a lot of innings, he's getting older, maybe that's got something to do with it. He still thinks that physically... God, he's not that old. He's not that old. He's not that old. He has thrown a lot of innings for... for he got used a lot early in his career, right? But no, he's not I that like he's old. He's 38 years old. But he is at that stage, and the story hints at that, where the good pitchers will transition into the next version of themselves, you know? Some do. Many can't. And that's where the crossroads that Madison Bumgarner might be standing at is exactly where you just described. Some do. Others can't. Is Mad Bum in a position where he can transition into the later life version of himself, or is he stuck constantly trying to replicate the guy he was five years ago? Because if he relies on that, he might not be very good for the, the, the Diamondbacks. The best guy I remember transitioning was Frank Tanana. I used to throw the ball 100 miles an hour, and now I can. I'm going to learn how to pitch. I'm going to paint corners. I'm going to move the ball around. I'm going to do all of these things that are going to help me. So that was the best. The worst was Steve Carlton. I'm going to try to pitch the same way I always have, and I can't get anybody out. He hung on for like five extra years. Yeah, so which guy Mad Bum will be? I mean, at this point, two years, $37 million left on his deal. The story even goes so far uh, as to say, and I'll, I'll quote the story here, quote, the question then becomes how long of a leash they give Mad Bum. 
bum if he struggles early next season. While the organization has cut ties in the past with pricey contracts that turned bad, Russ Ortiz and Eric Burns being the most two most prominent examples, the club for now sounds like it's willing to stick with Mad Bum in hopes that he rediscovers some level of effectiveness. Could this go the way of Russ Ortiz? Could this go the way of Eric Burns? Would they just say, you know what? Yeah. On second thought, yeah. let's eat it. You're gone. We got to move on. Well, when they're not contending, then you know you, there's no reason. But if you're a kid, if they're a team next year with playoff aspirations, and and he can't be a top four pitcher in your rotation, I don't know that it's worth keeping him around. To be honest with you, so if he gets out of the gate, ten starts in next year, he's got an ERA of five point two five. At that point, you might say, okay, there's there's not that much left on the contract. Let's eat the darn thing. Yeah, especially when Tommy Henry, you know, who had a good start last night. It was good to see he had not had a good start in a while. He pitched really he well. He pitched very well last night. Um, uh, kind of betrayed by his bullpen, more betrayed by Christian Walker and his defense at first. It was, you know, it was a bit, hard yeah. play. It was a hard play it to was. make. But he got charged with a two-run error on that one, and that allowed the Brewers to tie the game, and ultimately they won it on a walk-off in the 10th inning. But of course, Brandon Fat is coming. And Dre Jameson, you mentioned him. Merrill Kelly, who's now five and two-thirds innings away from 200 for the first time in his major league career. We talked with Tori about that earlier. He'll have, he said he'll start with 100 pitches for Merrill. And if it gets into the 108, 109, he's, he's 110 range, he's probably going to pull him. All trying to keep Merrill out there as long as he can to get him those five and two-thirds innings that he needs to get to 200, right? I would love to see him get it, but I did want to push Tori a little bit because he said he's, you know, there is a limit to how much he can pip. It's not like he needs to go eight or nine innings, right? If he goes six innings, he's got this thing in the bag. So I think the key will be for him to make some pitches early and not, you know, and not have any and not have that one bad inning in which he's got to throw 25 pitches. Well, your MLB standings are driven by trucks only. The Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Everybody is clinched. Everybody is in. Uh, the Yankees, the Guardians, and the Astros, and the American League, the Braves. The Cardinals and the Dodgers in the National League, and then the wild card teams are the Blue Jays, Mariners, and Rays in the American League, the Mets, Padres, and Philly, who clinched, clinched last night yes. uh, yep. with the Phillies playoff spot, and the Mets, and they're falling apart down the stretch. Oh, my goodness. To be a, oh, and by the way, no home run for Aaron Judge in Game 1. Of the day-night doubleheader, Game 2 is coming up in just a little bit. And he is we'll not homeward at that ballpark in and his it, career. I think it's 13 straight games he's gone without, without a home, home run. run. He has just hit one home, one run, home run in, those in his last games. 13. Just yep, one, one in his last the 13. 61st. The On the Farm is brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste. Of course, the minor league system is done. The season is done. But the Arizona Fall League is underway. And how about Jordan Lawler for the Diamondbacks two for three with a home run, three runs scored, three RBIs, two stolen bases in his Arizona Fall League debut yesterday for the Diamondbacks yeah. affiliate. You know he's not going to be ready next year, I don't believe. But the year after that, you'll have your shortstop of the future. That's a position of concern. They'll have to man it. I don't know how they're going to man it next year. Um, if Ahmed comes back, if they keep Ahmed, if they go with an Alcantara or Perdermo, or if they go get somebody else, but you know that they're keeping the seat warm for Lawler. Yeah, let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game presented by Mist America, home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit mistamerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow.
A couple things here. Corbin Carroll has four extra base hits in his last four games. Three doubles and a triple. And then again, you look at that stolen base. Varsho got his 16th last night. McCarthy, Roas, and Varsho. First Diamondback team since 2017 to have three players steal 15-plus bases. Diamondbacks win games with their with their base running. Again, Diamondbacks baseball coming up on ESPN 620. 41st pitch against the Milwaukee Brewers. When we come back, we circle back to the top stories of the day on the 4 o'clock reset, including a draft selection that will be talked about for years. The last of the 2019 wide receiver draft class is gone. We'll talk about it next on Burns and Gambo. You've been listening to D-Backs on Deck. Brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72Sold.com and by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger for a limited time. Only at Sonic.